We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 309. Our guest today runs High Hopes Farm that she took over from her family in 2015, and she really focuses now on sourcing quality young horses and developing them for future sales and top of the sport. She has worked with a lot of top equestrians like Laura Kraut, Nick Skelton, Peter Lutz, Norman Della Joyo, and really learned invaluable life lessons and riding lessons in horsemanship. And lately, she has been spending her winters in Wellington and her summers in Europe. She has had an amazing start of WEF season, recently winning a two-star during WEF 7. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Elise Oaken. Hi, Elise. Hello. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Amazing. Well, I would love to hear um, the story of how you first got into the equestrian industry. Oh, gosh. It's, I think with a lot of, a lot of riders, I just, when I was little, I always loved horses. I caught the horse bug. Even before I started riding, you know, I was just obsessed with them and collect, collected briar, briar models and, um, None of my family is actually into horses at all. Oh. I was the one. Yeah, I was the one that started it all. I went to summer camp when I was like 11 and they had just, you know, a local local riding program and I got to do that a bit and when I came home I was just crying to my parents being like, "Can you please can I please get more lessons?" <laughs> like I was hooked. I was like obsessed from then on out. I love it. So how did it kind of escalate to wanting to take some lessons after horse camp to, you know, having horses? Where we are now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long, long and winding road. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's for sure. So I grew up in North Carolina and, you know, from 11 to till I was like a young teenager, I just did local shows you know, around, around that area and Aiken and Camden. And, you know, I just had, had fun with it, had some cute, cute ponies. And then I think it kind of got serious when I was like 13 or 14, we came down to Wellington for the first year and we're shocked at, you know, mm-hmm. the, the magnitude of the place. And, you know, I started getting more serious with the ponies and the horses with the hunters and, yeah, from there, I mean, we've been coming to Wellington now for yeah, almost fifteen years, I'd say. And wow. <laughs> yeah, it's I think yeah, Wellington kind of got us, got me more, you know, more involved sure. in in the industry. I'd say. How long were hunters a uh, big focus? So I did hunters till I was 21 mm-hmm. and I was very involved in that. I did juniors, I did amateurs and I had quite a few small and large, large juniors. And yeah, I would show a lot and, you know, get a lot of good results. I had a really, really nice hunter named takeaway and we won. Yeah. I won a lot of indoor shows and finals with him. 
but I kind of wanted to get out of it. Like I was, you know, later on doing jumpers a little bit on the side and I was kind of getting more interested in that. And I said, once takeaway was retired, then I would, I wanted to just solely focus on the jumpers from then on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So now I know that you said when you started riding that your family, you know, they weren't horse people. They didn't really like know this world. Um, But then I heard that when you took over High Hopes Farm, you took it over from your family in 2015. So tell me a little bit about how that all transpired. Right. So High Hopes started in Charlotte. We have a, a farm there, a lovely 15 acre farm. And I actually rode Steve Heineke and Jeff Worthman. You know, they trained me and the hunters and they they were the trainers out of our our business, High Hopes Farm. And they also had clients running out of out of our stable. Um, and kind of when I when I transitioned out of the hunters and slowly just did jumpers, you know, I kind of we kind of stopped doing clients and just focusing on on horses for me and doing the young horses and doing mainly the jumper ring. That's so exciting. I love that. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. along with many riders, believe in kind of the the idea that the best type of preparation for a competition is what's done at home. Um, what exercises do you have at home that you like to set up in your ring? So that motto, you know, I actually didn't really learn that until later on in life. And I find it's, it's so important. You know, what what made you learn that? Was there like a specific moment or something? No, years, years of just trial and error and big, you know, like coming to that realization, you know, like, you know, when I did, when I was younger, I just was like, Oh, I just go to the ring and like, everything just happens. And, but, you know, after being in this industry for so long, like, and learning from so many different people, you know, you have a program at home, it it takes a while to like be confident in your program and having that. And yeah, I just I think most work should be done at home. And then the results in the ring show that. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned a lot. I've learned from Peter Lutz, some gymnastic exercises and Norman Delajoyo and Flat work is also, I think, the most important aspect of anyone's, at least my program. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do get a lot of help on the flat from Yos Koops. And he he's a really good, really good guy that helps me at home. And he lives in Europe, but sometimes he comes to Wellington or Florida once or twice a year. But he comes and helps me a little bit. And, you know, that that translates to to good rounds in the ring. You know, I wouldn't say there's like specific things I do at home, but I do like to jump like Cavalettis, like on a circle, just like I think Cavalettis are a good way to like check in with your horse, like seeing like, are they on the leg? Are they, are they jumping straight? Like, how do they feel, you know, and it's a good way to see like, what do I need to work on? I jump like single panels at home they're little fillers I jump Mm -hmm. you know that also you can check in and see because if they're not with you you know jumping just one little filler they're gonna go left or right unless you know they're really like on your hands and leg and you know I jump courses at home but I mainly keep things like very simple and I think 
overcomplicating things, you know, isn't good. And I think the simpler, the better, especially when you're working with animals and horses. Well, it seems like all of that work at home is paying off because you just had a two-star win at WEF Week 7. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's great, great to, you know, have a culmination of, you know, all your work done, like come together in the show ring. So I was really, really happy with that result. Do you ever wonder what a world would be like to have pets and not deal with the massive amounts of pet hair everywhere? If you're a pet owner, you know how frustrating it can be to clean up pet hair from your furniture, your carpet, your clothes, you name it. Well, Uproot Clean understands the struggle. They have these pet hair remover tools that help gently remove entangled pet hair from carpeted stairs, car mats, furniture, clothing, and even saddle pads. We tested Uproot Cleaner Pro on a variety of surfaces, including my favorite blanket at home, my couch, and definitely tried those saddle pads. We were so impressed with how well it removed pet hair from all of these surfaces, and it was so satisfying to use. The Uproot Cleaner Pro is a great tool for all pet owners. It's super affordable, easy to use, and it's really effective at removing pet hair from a number of places. So whether you have a dog or cat that sheds like crazy, I am thinking about those black yoga pants that just get covered in hair every time you're trying to leave the house and a lint roller just won't do, or us equestrians having horses, especially during shedding season, where literally you can use a saddle pad one time and then it is just coated in hair. Uproot Cleaner is the way for you. So visit their website at uprootclean.com. That's U-P-R-O-O-T-C-L-E-A-N.com for more information and to take a look at their awesome products. Totally. Tell me a little bit about the round. It was actually quite big. Like when I walked it on Sunday, I was like, whoa, like this is pretty meaty for for a two-star Grand Prix. And yeah, I've seen plenty, plenty of Grand Prix here in Europe. So, but I'm on a horse that she has plenty of scope. So it actually worked in my favor and I was happy it, there wasn't um, a ton in the Grand, in the jump off. So it actually really worked out in my favor, but it was, it was difficult enough. That's for sure. Definitely. Um, in addition to your win, your horse, Sarah, I know had her first Saturday night lights Grand Prix uh, this season. So how did you prepare her for that class? You know, I didn't really do anything different. Yeah. I think if you know a horse well enough and you feel confident in how they're feeling and I think you need to take, you know, take some chances. And if you and the horse are in a really good place, which I thought, you know, she was ready, ready for that challenge. And she definitely answered that. And I was so happy with how she handled jumping other lights. It was, yeah, it was no different than jumping any other class for her, I think. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's something that you see in one of your rides um, to know that they're ready for a class like that? You know, I think if you're having good, consistent rounds leading up to that class, you know, you guys are on the same page. Mm-hmm. I just felt that and it was a nice, you know, it was a national Grand Prix and I do want to jump her under the lights in the future and some FEI classes Grand Prix. So I thought this was a great, you know, step up and, class for her to see how she would handle it and she handled it really really well yeah definitely I know you have a passion for working with and developing young horses why do you feel like this is 
such an important part to your program? When I finished college, my family said, look, because I didn't want to do anything else besides, you know, a career in in horses. And they said, yeah, I was going to ask, did you did you pretty much know all along? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, it was a requirement that I did go to school. And I'm really happy that I did because, you know, it was nice to do something else outside of horses and get, you know, get more like well-rounded in the outside world. But when I graduated, my it was a like request that, you know, I try to make a business out of it. So, you know, it's really hard to make money in this. So I decided to, you know, start all over again, you know, buy young five, six, seven year olds, you know, for not crazy money and try to develop them and produce them and sell them, which is, you know, what I did for probably five or six years after college. That's why I kind of took a step back from you know, the top levels of the sport or the bigger Grand Prix because I, you know, I was busy doing developing young horses. And then when I did have a good one, you know, we'd have to, I would sell it to put that money back into the business. Sure. Um, but I do really enjoy it. You know, I think when you buy a horse, you don't buy a horse expecting to like go right in and like have results. Like I think you have to produce any horse even an older one, you have to like develop a partnership with them. And, and I really do enjoy that doing that with young horses and seeing their development and growing with them. It's, it's really rewarding. What would you say is the importance to your program specifically to have to spend half the year um, in Europe? I know you're in usually Wellington in the winter and you spend a, a good bit of the summer in Europe. So tell me a little bit about that dynamic and, well, how you kind of take your experiences in Europe, uh, then back to the U.S. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I went to Europe initially, I think it was probably six years ago, starting to find horses, you know, to buy young ones. It's, mm-hmm. it's the best way to do that and to be there and kind of be in it and going to local shows and seeing horses. And I, when I first went over, I was at Stahl Hendricks with Emil Hendricks and, you know, they're great finder of horses and it it was like the best way for me to start that business and just kind of be in that industry over there it it really helped Um, so that's mainly yeah why I went starting in the beginning to Europe is the horse sales and buying business you know and I just ended up staying there half of the year every year because it's nice there are a lot more options for shows I'd say over there, like mm-hmm. in the summer, like year round. And, you know, it, there's a lot more different shows you can go to and it's great for the young horses and you can just pick a show and have a bunch of options. And it's, it's also cheaper, you know, they have day shows, you go jump for like 10 euros and, you know, the horses learn a lot. And that was uh, mainly why I went in the beginning. I know financially a big part, um, which I feel like you probably incorporate into your program too, is with the young horses that you find in Europe, do you often keep them in Europe as long as you can, just because it's like so much cheaper than maybe keeping them in Wellington? What's that kind of dynamic like? Yeah, I'd say yes to that question. Um, It also depends on the horse, but I don't like to bring horses younger than eight, I'd say over to Wellington, Mm -hmm. even like if you don't want to sell them, I think it's just better for their 
sometimes their development, you know, to just keep them there, especially like, okay, I have a really green, like seven year old right now. And I I didn't bring her here this year because I didn't think she would be ready. And it was, she went to like Spain and showed and learned a lot there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I normally, yeah, do keep the younger ones in Europe until they're ready. Cause you know, Wellington, yeah, it's difficult. It's, it's a whole new ball game. So I do like to keep young ones there to kind of develop a little more. What would you say is something the U.S. could learn from Europe about their approach to preparing horses for, you know, the top level of the sport? I would say, which I do think some Americans do, but I learned this also. I think we do sometimes tend to rush the development of horses, Mm -hmm. you know, and put a lot of pressure on us and the horse and wanting this result and expecting that from them and you know I in Europe it's a bit more laid back I'd say Mm -hmm. and relaxed so yeah in my program like I do take my time with the horses like sometimes they don't jump eight or nine year olds like meter 40 I do do it a bit late if they're not ready you know but if they're ready, I will. It's just you kind of list. I just listen to the horse a bit and let them tell me when they're ready. And I don't like to rush, rush things because I think right. later on, you know, it's like a good thing and they'll last longer also in the in this sport. Totally. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? I think just what we just touched on, like just enjoying, enjoying the work you put in, enjoying the the process, you know, and being less worried about, about the result. You know, I, you know, when I first started, I always would put so much pressure on myself and expect this and expect that. And, you know, I think you need to enjoy it and (laughs) have fun with it. It's, you know, it's, it's life. And, you know, as Americans and our, you know, we expect, you know, to win a lot. And, but I, I've definitely learned along the way that, you know, every winner is a loser that never gave up. Mm-hmm. And you, you just really have to enjoy the process. And then the results will come, come from that. Yeah, I think that that's really well put. And thank you so much again for coming on and um, best of luck to you. Thank you. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.